All right, well, good morning. You guys are, <laughs> you're a little bit more lively. My other two services are like, good morning. <laughs> so I, I heard you guys today. That's good. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I know I'm not Pastor Greg. Uh, I'm almost as good looking, but um, I'm not quite there. Uh, no, but hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, one of the things I want to do, like I love about this church is that we stand for scripture. So will you stand with me if you're able to? Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 3 or get your tablets out or your phone up. Um, in fact, I'd almost challenge you to keep it open so, um, this, so you can like dwell on this. There might be a part of the message you're like, Nate, I'm zoning out. I need to focus on this. Go ahead and do it. This will speak much better than me. Um, so let's read this. John three sixteen through 21. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right? We know that. That's kind of, a, that's kind of one of those verses you, you know. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you're at a baseball game, you see the sign, you, you kind of know a little bit about this. But I feel like we've always stopped there because the next few verses are just as incredible. Uh, so verse 17, So God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. So here it is. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. That makes sense, right? That's why it's easy to sin. You know, if, if sin wasn't fun and enjoyable, we wouldn't do it. It's just what we do. That's why it's easier to be in the darkness. It says, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. It makes sense, right? We don't want the world to see our dirty laundry. But here it is. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. So may God inspire us by his word today. Now you may be seated. I want you to kind of leave that open. I'm not going to go back to it, but we may need, you may need to stay there. Now, we're doing this movie called The Shack. Uh, I actually read the book. Has anybody read the book or watched the movie yet? Okay, some of you. All right, so if you haven't, I'm totally going to ruin it for you. Um, so, but you still got to watch it because there's going to be so much I left out. In the book, I read back in 2007, my wife and I are on vacation and it's one of my favorite things to do when we go on vacation is to, I like to get away and just read, especially go to the beach and just sit in a sand chair and open a book. Um, and I read through that book in two days and sobbed like a baby. And, uh, and when I heard they were coming out with a movie, I was so excited. Um, now, one of the things is, is that there was controversy surrounding the book and, and the movie. And what's so interesting about it, the reason there was controversy was because how in the world could God the Father be represented as a black woman? And that was the controversy. And I thought, if people are really struggling with that thought and that moment right then, they are totally missing the message of the book. In fact, I would almost argue that they are missing Scripture. Because later on in the, in, in the movie and in the book, God is actually represented as an older white man, God the Father. And what I love about that picture is because in Scripture, we see this in the Old and New Testament, that God's character, that the God, the Father's characteristics is actually symbolizing both feminine and masculine uh, characteristics. 
because God isn't actually human. Now, the reason we love Jesus is because we, he actually took on human form, right? That's how we relate with Jesus. But that's why Jesus is like, but if you can relate with me, then you can relate with the Father because I came from the Father. And not only that, but then you should be able to relate with the Holy Spirit. But we struggle with the Holy Spirit, too, because the Spirit's in us and amongst us, but it's actually still the Spirit of God, right? Three in one. God is one. So I want to go ahead and say right away that, the, that this book and then the movie that it made is completely 100% fictional, okay? So you can't take it as scripture, but what we can use from it is a way to see how does God relate with us and how do we relate with God and how should we relate with God and how does God relate with us and then more importantly, how does that go to the rest of us, Okay. So that's what I want us to get to today. Now, there are, like, like I said, so many themes that are running through this. So I tried to nail down one, and which was really hard to do. So you're going to have to stick with me on this. Um, but it's a fantastic book, and like I said, I'm going to ruin it for you. Um, okay, so how it starts out is a man um, who has three children, and he's married. Um, so a father and a husband and three kids. Um, he was brought up um, kind of with a rough childhood, um, and, but had a church background. And I've met multiple men and women who have struggled to be in the church because their upbringing in the church has always been kind of difficult. It's fascinating how many times that we actually destroy people's relationship with God because of how we raise them in the church. And it's something that this story kind of shows a little bit of. So he's now married. They have a great family, it seems like. It looks like everything is going well, good marriage and enjoying life. And so, uh, so Mac, the father, took his three kids on a camping trip. And when they get to the, to the campsite, you know, they're having a great time. As the trip is coming to an end, there was a situation that took place with, with uh, two of his oldest kids. So he went to take care of the situation. Again, you got to watch the movie or read the book. It's fantastic. And while he was doing that, his five-year-old daughter was kidnapped. And in the midst of that, nobody saw anything, couldn't figure out anything. Um, so the FBI got involved, the police were involved, and just couldn't, couldn't find it until one, one moment they realized something had happened and they found, um, they found uh, what she was wearing in the shack. And in the shack, there was her dress, it was on the ground with bloodstains everywhere. Her da- his daughter had been murdered. What do you do with that? Now, I'm a, I'm a dad. I have a, a two-year-old daughter. And I couldn't imagine having to go through the fact that my daughter was kidnapped and then murdered. I mean, I, I feel like I would have to hit somebody. Uh, I would be extremely angry with God. And I feel like that there's more to the story than that, but there really is... At the end of the day, it's our view of God in, in, in the sense of this movie. And so what happens is, um, so Mac goes back with his family. They're at home. Months have passed. They haven't been able to bury her because they never found her. And, and then now there's, there's trouble in the marriage. They're struggling as parents. The kids are struggling with their parents. And all these relationships in the home are falling apart. And I feel like that's so true for so many families in our culture that we fall apart when something rough comes into our life. That there's things happening in our lives at different points of our lives. It's not if it happens, it's when it happens. And in the midst of that, our view of God begins to shift and to change. And he became even more bitter and angry towards God. And so what do you do? So one weekend, uh, he shifts uh, his wife and his two kids off. And while this was happening, there was a snowstorm. 
And uh, he looks into his mailbox, and there happens to be a card or a piece of paper. And it was written to him, asking him to come to the shack this weekend. And it was signed, Papa. Papa is a name that his five-year-old daughter gave God. That's how she related to him. I love that picture. And so he thought this was a cruel and sick joke, even though there were no footprints in the sand, nothing, nothing to, to somebody could put in there and play a sick joke on him. He, all these things were going through his mind, so he decides, I'm going to go do it. He goes to the shack the weekend, that weekend to the place where his daughter was murdered. And guess who he sees when he gets there, right? God. And I love this picture. Because God is represented in, in three persons, right? We know that. As Christians, we know that. God is represented in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then through that, in this, in this picture, God the Father is represented by this black woman, this older black woman. And the reason was, is because this is how he was going to find comfort in meeting God for the first time face to face. And that's where the controversy begins, but I feel like it's beautiful. And we're going to miss out on what the point was. So now he's with God. He's, in the, he's out at the shack, and he's struggling. So in this scene, he's, uh, he's actually uh, working on making a pie with Papa, God the Father, and listening to their conversation. So that's the first thing. It's kind of interesting to see how that was working out because I feel like that's where a lot of us do kind of land at times. Where were you, God? Where were you? In fact, I think a lot of us have this idea that if God is such a good God, then why? And fill in the blank. If God is good, then why? Or we have this question, why do bad things happen to good people, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? And I always answer with this question, who determines what's good? You? Me? And I think that's why we miss out on the beauty of that moment. But here's what I want you to see in that moment that God meets us where we're at. God meets all of us where we're at. In the midst of our sin and brokenness and our hurt, God meets us where we're at. One of the beautiful things I love about Scripture is that this is what it says. It says, uh, um, in a sense, that while we were yet still sinners, right, while we were st yet still sinners, Christ died for you and for me, for us. In the midst of all that, he died for us. And so we have this, this, this view of what it is to honestly follow Christ, follow God, follow Jesus, whatever you want to view that. But that's the, that's the reality. But come on, guys, here's, here's the reality of it. And this is, kind of the, this is kind of the heart behind of who I am. But the same thing is true for the entire world that we live in. It is. It's so true for the entire world that while they were still sinners, Christ died for them. God is trying to meet people right where they're at, but yet for some reason we have rules and regulations and things that we hold by in the church. And we tell people, if you can't live up to these standards, well, then you're not welcome here. And you're like, well, Nate, that's not necessarily true, but it is for some. And so the reason I think that many people don't actually want to be followers of Christ or walk into a church, a local church, is because the idea and the persona that we as Christians have set to the world, and it's that we don't love you. Well, but Nate, you know, we do. We, we help them a few times a year. That's, I think that's charity. That actually doesn't really say that we love you. 
that says, look what I did. And I think that's the way we missed the point. And I think that's why the world has a hard time coming to know Jesus is because they don't want our charity. They don't want what we have to offer unless it's this unconditional love of Jesus flowing in and through us. See, God is willing to meet them where they're at. The question is, is are we willing to meet people where they're at? Right? I think God does the same thing for us. He's willing to meet us where we're at, but for some reason it's okay for him to meet us there, but it's not okay for me to share that with somebody else because you don't know what they're doing. You don't know what they say. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know who they killed and that murder that took place. They don't deserve God. Then I think we miss it. God meets all of us where we're at. While we were still sinners, while we were yet still sinners, right? Christ died for us. Because God meets us where we're at. That's, so if you're here today and, and you're struggling with that very notion, you need to understand that God loves you. And it's not about how many times you ask for forgiveness. It's not about having to do the right thing and look the right way and dress the right way and be the right way. You've got to understand something so significant is that God loves you where you're at and he's going to walk with you to where he wants you to be. Does that make sense? And that's one of the things I hope you get. But right now in the midst of this, it was okay for Mac to be completely bitter and angry with God, but God didn't go back at him. Papa wasn't really going to, you know, I'm going to throw a lightning bolt at you. He walked away and she allowed it to in this scene, right? So the next, the next thing comes up is where uh, Mac has an opportunity to go with Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't wait to meet Jesus. Like that's like got to be like the highlight of my entire life is getting to the point where I get to meet Jesus. I'm, I'm actually getting to, I'm only 33 years old, but I feel like I'm getting to a point in my life journey that um, my whole goal for the rest of my life is to see Jesus, I want to see Jesus. Like, everything goes from that. And in the midst of my brokenness and sin and things that, I, that I've struggled with, that I am struggling with, I want to see Jesus. But not only do I want to see Jesus, I want to take as many people as I possibly can to see Jesus. That's where I'm getting at in my faith journey with Christ. Because I realize that this life is hard and it's, and it's difficult and, and going. But can you imagine getting to the point where you get to walk and be with Jesus? Like there's going to be a day that this is a reality. And so Mac gets to be with Jesus. And he takes him to a place where he basically says, Mac, okay, I need you to go up the stairs. I need you to go up the stairs. Listen, I'm not going to go with you, but I will be with you. Isn't that weird? I'm not going to go with you, but I'm going to be with you. But I need you to go. And he goes up to this place, and he meets a character, and the character's name is Wisdom. Now, again, it's played by a human, um, because obviously wisdom isn't uh, human form or anything, but he meets Wisdom. And this is one of the most impactful uh, ideas that I think the whole movie brings. But in this moment, Mac gets to be the judge. I mean, this is, there's, judgment has taken place, and Mac gets to be the judge. He's not being judged. He gets to be the judge. Now, how many of us enjoy being the judge, right? I mean, we say we don't, but at the end of the day, how many of us do? We like to be the judge. We want to tell people what I think. We actually, some, most of us, if not all of us, is like to say, okay, I know where they're going. I know what's going to happen to them. And they deserve that, right? We're there. We've been there. I've been there. 
And so that's what happened. So in this moment, wisdom asks him, hey, um, what, what, what needs to happen or what should happen to the man who murdered your daughter? And he just comes out and says, he needs to burn in hell. There's a part of me that can't blame him for saying that. Well, what about the father of the man who murdered your daughter? And he needs to go too. And wisdom asks him, well, why stop there? I mean, let's go all the way back to the very beginning because God obviously created human beings. So is God to blame? And he basically says, God's to blame. God is the reason that my daughter died. And that's where this kind of picks up. So take a look. Man. I don't think there's anything more freeing than saying those words, I don't want to be the judge anymore. I really believe that. See, guys, here's the thing. The second thing I want you to think about is that Jesus gave his life. Jesus died for all of humanity. That's what I want you to see, that Jesus gave. And that's what I want us to picture today. I want us to grasp that idea today. Because he literally did give his life for all humanity. And here's the thing, guys. Look up here. Here's what I want you to get. If you can't grasp that idea you are going to continue to struggle in your faith as a follower of Jesus. Until you understand the idea that Jesus gave his life for all of humanity, think about the people in your life that you struggle to even like. He gave his life for that person. Think about when you turn on the news and you see the things that are going on in this world today. Jesus died for them. And I I think sometimes that just burns us. How could a loving God die for somebody who was a murderer? How could a loving, God, a loving God die for somebody who wants to rule and, and overcome countries and civilizations? How could a loving God be willing to die for somebody who has wronged me in my own life? I don't know, he just does. And I think the reason that many of us continue to struggle with what it is to follow Jesus is is because of the very reason of what it takes to follow Jesus. And this is why I think that we as as people in our our culture and and, in our faith movements and things like that, I think we like religion more than it is to actually follow Jesus. The reason we like religion is because there's rules and regulations to live by. And I can do this and I can do this. And as long as I do that, I can be forgiven. I think the reason that it's hard to follow Jesus is because he's kind of like, hey, I love you no matter what. Wait, 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 wait. But that's grace. But Nate, there's truth. Absolutely. He tells us what to do and what not to do, but I still love you. The grace and truth conundrum. We want to solve it, but we can't. And for so many of us, Jesus then becomes, hey, I'm going to show up to church service once in a blue moon and whatever I can, and therefore I'm a Christian. Or I'm going to show up to a Bible study whenever I can because that makes me a Christian. You know what makes you a Christian? is the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you and you recognized that salvation and you accepted it. That's what makes you a follower of Jesus. And then when you become a follower of Jesus, then there should be something burning deep down inside you to say, Okay, God, 
It can't be about me anymore. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Not what, not about this idea of, hey, I need to do this and you need to stop doing that and you need to start doing this and we should be doing this and why aren't we doing that? That's what, it's not what it's about. And this is the reason why I believe so many people struggle to follow Jesus is because Christians are constantly putting rules and regulations on people and they don't even have a relationship with him yet. Why would we expect people to follow Jesus if they don't follow Jesus? But you know what they do want to follow? They want to follow a God that loves them. They want to follow a God that would give everything for them. And the reason they do is because we're all searching. And we try to fill that God void in our life with money, and power, and prestige, and getting it together. I'm amazed, as, as a guy, I am amazed by how many men in our culture try to think that we're better than other men in our culture, and we wonder why men don't want to follow Jesus. Think about this. Jesus said, love your enemies. Well, I I can't do that. I'm not Jesus. But I thought you were supposed to be following Jesus. Pray for those who persecute you. Oh, nay, you're going too far there. Oh, that's not me saying it. That's Jesus saying it. Love on the hurting, care for the broken, clothe the naked, give food to the hungry, give water to the thirsty. Are you starting to grasp the picture that that following God is not about what you do here and what you do there and whenever you have time to do it? Following God has everything to do with what, who you are, your lifestyle, how you treat one another, how you care for people. And I, that's exactly what this movie is all about. That, that Mac is trying to deal with this situation. How in the world do I forgive a man who murdered my five-year-old daughter? Whew, that's powerful. How do we forgive men and women who have cheated on us in a relationship? How do we forgive men and women who... Um, lie and cheat and steal and how do we forgive men who have different belief systems and different politics in us and, 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 and how do we forgive our dads because of a situation or our moms because of a situation or our children because of a situation well you can't do it by yourself that's for sure and a church service isn't going to help you do that either it's something bigger it's God willing to move in your life And so that's what's happening. Mac is starting to move this. And so it gets to a point where Mac is now on the last day and he's, and he needs God more than ever now. Like this is like, this is a culmination. And so he, and so in this scene, God the Father takes on uh, an older male uh, uh, look. And um, because he needs, he needs that physical father in his life because of what they're about to do. And he's gone, they're going to go and they're going to find his daughter and then they're going to do the hard thing, and that no, chi- uh, that no parent and no grandparent should ever have to do. So take a look at this. Man, isn't that beautiful? It's just this idea of um, 
that he's be able to come become free. I mean, just think about that. How in the world does a person ever forgive a, a, another person for killing his daughter? It gets me every time. Like, I, I seriously, this is my fourth service, and I still haven't been able to, I'm, I've still got tears, just because I've seen it. I remember multiple times being around the world and watching uh, I still remember this, being in a graveyard. It doesn't look like a graveyard like here in the States. And, and seeing this mom who's just lost her daughter the day before because of cholera. Cholera. It can be cleaned up by clean drinking water. No parent should ever have to go through that. And I sit here and I wonder, God, why? Why? And we can make every excuse in the book for why that doesn't happen here and it happens somewhere else in the world, but it should never happen. Ever. Why? And I sit here and I work in my own life, in my own heart. And I think about the people that I have judged that I've almost even gone to the point of condemning that they don't deserve Jesus. Are you kidding me? Everybody deserves Jesus. Everybody. Because that's where freedom comes from. Freedom can only come from a relationship with God. Completely and fully. And there are so many of us in our churches, in our American churches, we have everything handed to us. We have everything that we could ever need right here in our culture. And yet we're the highest and greatest depressed country along with other Western cultures in the world. What does that say? That says we're not free in Christ. Because if we were free in Christ, our lives would look like it. We wouldn't worry so much about having to have the stuff in order to make me feel good. We wouldn't have to go and be a part of a church that gets to say what I want them to say or sing the songs I want them to sing. Or we wouldn't send our kids and sense to a school system where I think, come on. Guys, there's a, there's a thing that we're all going to do. We're all going to have a last breath someday. All of us. None of us are immune from it. We're all going to take that last breath. And I know some of you are struggling right now with this idea that if God does exist, where am I going? But you haven't been willing to completely give over your life to him. I just want the religion. I just want to show up whenever I want to show up and do whatever I can and want to do when I want to do it. Guys, you're not free if you live that way. You're not free at all. Freedom only comes from a relationship with God. And guys, I'm going to tell you, it is sometimes the hardest thing you're ever going to do. But I can tell you this, it's going to be the greatest thing that you will ever do. And when you finally give that time over, when you finally begin to forgive the person that you're struggling to forgive, and guess what? Forgiveness isn't about them. It has everything to do with you. You have got to be willing to get to a point of letting this stuff go. When you get to that point of allowing finally the God of the universe, Jesus, being able to send his spirit into your life and living out of that, 
people around you will want to know what's different about you. You know why? Because you start caring about them. You start enjoying life a little bit more. You start realizing it isn't about having the stuff and the car and and the shirts and the pants and, and the house and the kids and the school system. It's not about any of that stuff. It's literally at the end of the day. God, I exist for him. And because I exist for him, I exist for them. It's not about me anymore. And I'm starting to get that. I want you to get it. Because the more that we try to figure it out on our own, the more we're going to continue to fail time after time. And when life does hit, and when you lose that parent to cancer, you may lose a child to an unforeseen accident. God isn't to blame, it's not his fault. We messed this up, but he redeemed us and we can be free. And when we're free, the world changes and it brings hope and it brings love because it's an everyday instance. So I want to leave you with this. Here's a quote. This is a quote from the book or uh, from the author who wrote the book. He says this about what he hopes that Christians in the church would get from this movie and book. I hope it will raise our view of humanity. I think we've inherited and perpetuated a very low view of humanity. I think the incarnation alone, which is God becoming fully enfleshed with us, Jesus, is a high view of humanity, not a low one. It's not as though God is going to the garbage dump to rescue pieces of trash. This is about God going to the most elegant and beautiful masterpieces who are dressing themselves in the trash of lies. Do you get that? You are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece. He came for you. I hope that within the community of faith that this would help raise the conversation about God's high view of humanity so that we can begin to agree with that. In that context, we have to begin to realize that healthy community moves at the speed of the slowest. That's beautiful. When we are stopped dead in our tracks by loss and suffering, that's when we need the community to slow down and be present to us. Because that's what God does. He slows down to our speed. He's present with us. Those kinds of realities are communicated well in the film. The imagery is powerful. And that's the beauty of following Jesus. And literally, some of you are still stuck. You know what? And that's okay. Because he's not going to give up on you. And he's going to continue to find ways to get into your life so that you can see that he loves you no matter what. For the rest of us, we grasp that. But somehow we've lost the disconnect between God and others. Because if God sees me that way, shouldn't I see everyone else that way? If we're going to take up our cross daily, shouldn't we have that same viewpoint? 
Because here's the deal, you can't do that on your own. You need him. I need him. The church needs him. And I think that's a beautiful message. And I think that's what Pastor Greg and and some of the early uh, uh, movers of Union Chapel were trying to create. And here we are today. But we can't stop. If we've gotten comfortable, it's time to wake up. Because we need each other. Muncie, Delaware County needs us. They need to see the love of God again. You are God's plan A. There is no plan B. So what are we showing the world? What are we showing one another? So as we sing this last song, my hope and prayer is that we would remember the words of John in verse 17. For God did not come into the world to judge it, but to save it. And you are, you are the person that is being worked through. So we have a job to do. So let's worship God and let's go change the world. Father, thank you again for what you're doing. Thank you for a movie like that to kind of put in a uh, kind of a picture of what it is of how you love us. And God, I know there are people in here right now that need that. Some of us, God, we just need a good kick in the rear to get going. We need to wake up. God, I know others of us in here today are literally doing this on a day-by-day basis. And God, I pray that their light would shine brighter and brighter because we need to see that so that we can follow that. God, our community needs you and we know that. So help us to forgive, to love, to give, to share, to believe, and to have hope. Thanks again for what you're going to do. Be with us in this time of singing. In Christ's name.